Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm like really overwhelmed by the Lord and just uh, what he's about to bring us into over these next uh, few weeks. I've been telling you over the last few weeks when we've been talking about repentance and discipline of the Lord that God has been putting on my heart to step into uh, the fear of the Lord. And honestly, I'm, I'm just, I can't, I don't know how else to put it. I really can't put in the words. I'm absolutely gripped. I'm absolutely captivated. I am, I am... I feel such like a shepherd jealousy for us to really press into what God is putting his his heart on. We're going to spend a few weeks in this, and I want to to implore you as the shepherd of this house to do whatever you need to do to be here and to submit your hearts to what it is that God is about to show. There are so many layers to the fear of the Lord. And so each week we're going to be building on this. I want to be really clear with the fear of the Lord, it's... It's, it's impossible, I think, to almost narrow this thing down to a singular definition. And the reason why is because what we're trying to do is we're trying to define the proper response of a frail individual made from dust, what happens to him when he grows into a, 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 an increase of knowledge of his infinite creator. How can you define that or simplify that to one single word? And you'll find that language begins to break down when we start trying to define who God is and how we should respond rightly. So each week, we're going to be building on this. And I really, I say that because today, at the end of the day, we're going to have just a foundation, like just a small step of this. There is so much more that we're going to be going on. So there's a journey that we're heading into, all right? The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord has so many misconceptions. There are so many thoughts that come to mind when you hear the fear of the Lord. And just like we did with repentance and the discipline of the Lord, I see God breaking those things and restoring the beauty of what it means to fear God. Because the blessings that flow from the fear of the Lord, it's unbelievable. All throughout Scripture, you see it again and again, the blessing that comes from a man or woman that fears God. But what I don't want us to do is pick up the wrong fear. I want us to really walk in the right fear of God. All right? You guys ready? For, I feel a lot of Jesus right now. And it's so connected. We're going to restore wonder and awe. Wonder and awe to the body of Christ. One other thing I want to share, and then we're going to get right into this, is my heart, my heart on this is primarily to speak to believers. Meaning, I want to speak to those who have been born again of the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Spirit, washed by the blood, and have been brought into the Godhead as an adopted son and daughter. The reason why that's important is because that significantly changes what it means to fear the Lord. Significantly. Now, I may touch and dabble on what it means for someone who doesn't know the Lord. There is a different type of fear there. There really is. We might hit that this week and weeks to come. But my passion, when we gather on Sundays, I want everyone to know this. Our first, my first job is to lead us to meet with God. This is a meeting place for God. The second thing, though, is to train and equip the saints. That's what... Oftentimes, church becomes an evangelistic service because we're not living evangelistically Monday through Saturday. So this becomes a time to try to win the loss. I'm all for that happening. That does happen. But the primary job of today is to equip the saints that we would go out and live missionally. So I'm going to address the fear of God through the primary lens of I'm speaking to you who have been brought into fellowship with God. What does it mean to walk in the fear of the Lord then? All right? So come with me to Jeremiah. Here comes the rain. <laughs> Not too much, guys. Don't, don't cheer up too much. Um, oh, by the way, this is really, really important. There is a sheet here. Everyone have this, or are you next to someone that has it? If you don't, can you raise your hand? Really, I, I really, I want everyone to have Do we have any extra? Jackie, you have? Well, who said yes? Okay, if you don't have it, you're not with someone, this is going to be so important. We're going to hit this. Guys, we're going to, sometimes it's more advantageous to take one verse or one text and just dig deep into it, but sometimes it's actually more advantageous to cover a plethora of scripture that keeps reconfirming the same point again and again, because it does something when you see the scripture keeps saying this over and over and over. By the way, we have Rachel in the back. I forgot. I see a Chris is in here. 
with her beautiful son here from North Carolina. We love them. They're a huge part of our body and still part of our family. It's so good to have them. Um, all right, so everyone has this. Our primary text is going to be Jeremiah 32 slash 33. That's like home base, but we're going to break out into this sheet, and I promise we're not going to go in depth of all of those because we'd be here all day, <laughs> but maybe, maybe we will. Oh, and I'm sorry, another announcement. Um, Pastor Haroon over there in the, to my left, your right, right there. He is doing, uh, we're doing a course on apologetics specifically, it covers a lot, but specifically with the Muslim community and the Islamic faith, and it's going to start this Tuesday at 1 o'clock in the office, all right, this Tuesday at 1 o'clock, it's going to be a few hours, and he is it's just so gifted, listen, it's going to be, last time we did it, um, last semester, everyone said, I wish there was more of this, can we do it again, so we are, so if you're interested in learning about that, uh, please come out this Tuesday at one o'clock at the office. All right? All right, let's go. Jeremiah 32. Here we go. Here we go. Everyone there in Jeremiah 32, this is home base. Everyone's got their sheet. All right. Oh, man, I'm so fired up. I'm so fired up. I, I, it, it was painful to peel back some of these things. We're going to have to keep going each week. Throughout the Old Testament, you will find pockets. It's sprinkled throughout the Old Testament where prophets, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, will begin to give vision and glimpse to the glory of the new covenant. That's what's happening right here in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is providing a window, a little glimpse to say, when the Messiah comes and the new covenant is ushered in, here's what's going to happen. This is so critical because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, when he compares old and new covenant, he says that the new covenant is so far superior and glorious compared to the old covenant that the old covenant is considered a ministry of death and condemnation. He said it had glory, but when you see what we have now under the blood of God, not a goat, under the blood of God, he says you cannot even compare the two. It's a fading glory. And what Jeremiah is about to tell us is one of the pillars, one of the chief blessings of this new covenant. He's going to tell us what is, what is one of the greatest gifts that we're going to have because God's going to hang on a cross for us. Ready? Jeremiah 32, verse 38. It says, And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Revelation 21 quotes this in the very end. Verse 39, here it goes. He says, I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. So God says, here, one of the key blessings of this new covenant, God says, I'm going to put fear in the hearts of my people. Stay with me now, because we're going to break on what fear this is. He says, they're going to fear me, and it's going to be for their own good. He says, I'm going to unite their hearts. Their hearts will be one, and their way will be one. With who? With one another? Yes, but with him. David said in Psalm 86:11, David said, God, unite my heart to yours so that I may fear your name. God is saying, I'm going to so unite my people's heart to mine that they will come to fear me, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. Keep reading it. Ready? Verse 40. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. Ready? And I will put the fear of me in their hearts. God says, I will put the fear of me in their hearts. Why? That they may not turn from me. Verse 41, I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and with all my soul. One of the greatest blessings of the more glorious covenant, one of the greatest gifts that God can give to me and you is the fear of the Lord. That's what it says, the fear of the Lord. And God is saying that in this new covenant, there's going to be a loyalty that's going to come out of his people. There's going to be an allegiance that comes out of us. He says there's going to be like a north star in your life that's going to connect you to me forever. And he says it is called the fear of God. My prayer for us over these next few weeks, for this house, for this community, for this generation, is that God would release fear of the Lord encounters with him that would plumb line us, that when our lives feel like we're going to drift to the left or to the right, there would be something that stabilizes us, something that secures us, something that keeps us. 
Beloved, this is the fear of God. Now, what type of fear is this? We're going we're gonna to really teach for a moment, all right? You guys with me? We're going we're gonna to teach for a moment. By the end, we're going to start to, again, have an idea of this. But I want to put this up front. The fear of the Lord that we're talking about is not a devilish fear that causes us to shrink back from God. It is not a fear that causes us to, to withdraw. It is not a fear that causes us to be afraid of God. Actually, it says, I will put this fear in you, and you will cling to me. You will cleave to me. This is a fear that actually makes your heart more open and vulnerable to God. This is not a fear that gets us to coward from God. It actually gets us to chase after him with even deeper pursuit. You see, this is, this is where it gets everyone. You got your she, everyone good? The fear of the Lord is so confusing, I think, because the scriptures speak very counter to fear. For example, what is the most frequent command in the scriptures? Do not fear. Do not fear. Look, look at your sheet here. Look at Psalm 34.4. This is what David said. David said in Psalm 34.4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. <laughs> look at Luke 1, verse 74-75. This is Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. He's prophesying over Jesus and the salvation that Jesus would bring. And look what he says. So important. He says that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him. Who's that? Christ. What does it say? Without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So one of the promises is that when, when God sets us free, we're going to serve him without fear. <laughs> is anyone confused yet? <laughs> We're called not to fear God. David says, I've been set free and delivered from all my fears. Zechariah says, when you serve him, you're going to serve him without fear. Beloved, I want to propose to you one of the great paradoxes of the gospel, that on one side it sets you free from fear, and on the other side it brings you into a fear. The gospel will set you free from crippling, debilitating, demonic fear, but it will bring you into the most glorious, wonderful awe-inspiring, delightful fear, the fear of God. This is so important. Hear me on this. Because if you don't understand this, and if we have a poor handle of the scriptures, what I find happen is that many will speak on the fear of God and invite born-again believers to embrace a fear that Christ has set them free from. Many Christians, Satan is wreaking havoc by getting us to embrace the wrong fear that actually gets us to coward from the one who shed his blood that we would become one. He is not giving us a fear that we would be distant from him. Oh, he's giving us a fear that makes us shake over who he is. We are, are, are undone by the one that we've been brought into union with. So what I want to do is before we start to look at what it is, we have to first break down what it's not. Okay? So I'm going to read just a few verses here that tell us fears that we're not meant to embrace so that you would be strengthened and equipped to know this is not the fear of God as a believer. You guys with me on the sheet? 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Number one, this fear of God is not a demonic fear. It's not a fear. This is not a spirit of timidity. The fear of God does not make us cowardly. It actually does quite the opposite. One of the messages that we'll get into is how the fear of God crushes every other fear. The fear of God des destroys the fear of man. The fear of God will actually make you more bold than you can ever imagine. We have not received the spirit of fear with a power of love. This is not the fear of God. Look at Hebrews 2, 14, 15. It says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood... He himself, meaning Christ, partook of the same things, meaning he became flesh and blood. Why? That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, ready, verse 15, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So we haven't been given demonic fear, but this tells us that we have no fear of death as Christians. Why? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Christ has swallowed up death. We are not afraid of death. Actually, it brings us into the most glorious thing. Paul said, I don't know what's better, to be here or die, because when I die, I'm with him forever. There's, 
The fear of God is not getting us to coward at the thought of death. We've been set free from that. Look at Romans 8.15. I feel the truth will just renew minds today. Roman, Paul's talking about walking in the spirit of God and not going back to your old ways. And look what he says, Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What's Paul talking about? Paul says when you're in Christ, there is no longer fear of being rejected out of the family of God. The fear of God is not living in a, in a measure of uncertainty saying, will I be in his family today and not tomorrow? The fear of God is not sitting at the table of God saying, I don't really belong here, and if I don't perform up to the task, he's going to kick me out of this place. You have been adopted. Do you know that in first century culture, this was their thought, that if you had a child by natural birth, you could dismiss or get rid of that child because you had no choice over what that child would look like or be. So, for example, if a child was deformed in first century, many times you could get rid of that child. But if you adopted a child in first century culture under Roman law, it was irreversible because they said you had the choice of who you're going to adopt. You knew what you were getting into, therefore it is final. When God adopts you, he knows what he's getting into. He knows every part of you. This is not, we do not have the fear of rejection from the Lord. That is good news. <laughs> This is not, if the fear of God is leading you to say, am I with him today? Do I belong today? That's not the fear of God. Look at the next one, 1 John. Oh, this one's so important. Verse 7, uh, chapter 4, 17, 18. It says, by this is love perfected with us, so that me, we may have confidence for the day of judgment. <laughs> so as believers, we should have confidence for the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, meaning Christ, so also are we in this world. Oh my goodness. Just think about what that just said for a moment. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We don't have a spirit of fear, demonic fear. We don't, we don't have a fear of rejection. We don't have the fear of death. And we do not fear punishment, meaning the eternal, meaning eternal separation from God. This is speaking the day of judgment, which means believers are not tormented or paralyzed by the idea that at some point God may heap your transgressions back on you again and you'll have to bear the price of it again. Our sins have been heaped on Christ. And what John is saying is that if you have confidence in this, you will not fear the day of judgment because God will never take what was put on Christ when you put your faith in him and put it back on you. How could we have this confidence, you say? Because John says, just as he was in the world, so are you. You know what that means? As Christ was in the world, so are you when you put your faith in him. Two things. Number one, it means you walk with the same righteousness of Christ. This is mind-blowing. It means with all of our brokenness, the blood of Christ is so sufficient that when he sees you, the Father, it's like he sees his son, Jesus. It's as if you had never done anything wrong. It's as if you have perfectly obeyed the law as Christ. That is, he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of the world. You have been made righteous so we have confidence. But the second thing of how we are as Christ is in the world is the context is speaking about perfect love, which means we walk in this earth with the same love towards us as the Father directed towards Jesus. John 17, Jesus said, the Father loves you as he has loved me. Think about the immensity of that affection. Don't just stop and say, wow, that's a lot. Meditate on it. How much does the Father love the Son? How perfect is it? How pure is it? How unconditional is it? How eternal is it? Jesus says, that love is what I have towards you. God's love is not aimless or purposeless. Meaning he doesn't just throw out a generic love to us. What this is saying is that his love is intentional and it's doing something. What is it doing? It's perfecting us. Love is working something in you. It's perfecting you in what way? It's stripping away all fear that at one point you'll stand before God and he would reject you. 
How do you know that you have been perfected in love? When the thought of judgment day makes you smile. Because you actually realize it's wedding day. <laughs> if, if the thought of judgment day still makes you shrink back, John would say you have not been perfected in love yet. That, that fear has been cast out. And to the point where you say, I can't wait for that day because it's when I will be with him forever. So there's a lot of fear that we're called not to embrace. Here's, here's one more in this. And this, honestly, you can almost put everything I've shared under this category, but I want to distinguish this. This is so important. There's something that has been termed sinful fear. I want to encourage you. Uh, the Puritans, John Owen, John Owen wrote The Mortification of Sin. These guys are wrecking me over their revelation of the fear of God. They have such a right understanding. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, like, yep, watched it last night with my son. I love it. He wrote something called The Treaties of the Fear of God. I mean, it is unbelievable, the revelation of, God, of, the, of the right fear of God. And they use different terms, ungodly fear, godly fear. One of them that they used was sinful fear and right fear. What do I mean by sinful fear? Not that it's wrong fear. Right? When we say sin, a lot of times we think you did something wrong. I don't mean sinful fear that way because it's a true, genuine fear. But it's fear that has been produced by sin. It's a fear that has been produced by sin. This fear is what causes man to be afraid of God. This is the sin, this is the fear that causes man to withdraw and dread God. In Genesis 3.10, God came into the garden and Adam had just sinned. And what did he say when, when the Lord said, where are you? Adam said, I heard your voice and I was afraid. So I hid. If you want to know the nature of the sinful fear, fear produced by sin, it will cause man to hide from God. This is intrinsic in every single human heart. Do you know that? Do you know when people used to invite me to come to church or the Lord, I may have made a joke, maybe you've heard this, I said, I can't go there, I will burn up if I go there. <laughs> Well, what I was actually expressing was an inherent understanding that I have sin, and if God is real and he's just and holy, how could I ever come before him? There's actually something really good about that too. But I want you to know something, that Jesus came to set us free from that fear. The fear of God is not the fear that Adam walked in. Jesus abolished the first Adamic fear. He is the true Adam. He has led us into a fear of right fear that draws us near to God. Do you understand that? The fear that we are embracing is not a fear that gets us to, to, to withdraw because we know that our sin has been fully swallowed up in Jesus. No part about us gets us to coward back. When uh, Mount of Transfiguration, you have Peter, James, John. They see Jesus glorified. They see Elijah, Moses. Then it's Jesus only. They hear a voice from heaven that says, this is my son. Listen to all that he says. It says they fall down and they're terrified over this. And what does Jesus do? He comes up and he taps him on the shoulder and says, fear not. What does he do in Revelation when John falls, when he sees the glorified Christ and he feels as if he's dead? Jesus comes up, puts his hand on him and says, fear not. Oh, let me be clear. The right fear of God causes us to, causes us to fall on our face and tremble but it causes us to fall towards the Lord in holy adoration and submission, not back from him. This is the gospel. Yes, he is. This is what makes us shake is that the one who we should have had fear in has now drawn us into relationship. And the gospel allows us to now be able to connect with this God. Look, look at Exodus 20, 18 to 20. Let's see another example of this. This is on Mount Sinai. Verse 18 says this. Now when all the people, all of Israel, saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. So what did they do? They stood far off. So what are they doing? They're, they're afraid of God. They're, they're withdrawing from God, right? Look at Moses. Look at verse 19 and, and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Look what Moses says in verse 20. Moses said to the people, do not fear. Do not fear. For God has come to test you, ready? That the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Did you catch what Moses just did? He says, do not be afraid. God's come to test you, that you may fear him. He's speaking about the two different fears. 
Don't be afraid of God, but let the right fear of God be in your hearts. Let the right fear of God be in your hearts. What I have found is that this right here is where Satan is wreaking havoc in the body of Christ. And he's causing men and women to operate under fear that is produced by sin and not living under the righteousness of Christ. And what's happened is this is counter to the gospel. Because again, I will tell you, Jesus died on a cross so that we would become one. One. He is not putting a fear in us that would cause us to distance ourselves and counter the very thing he laid his life down for. That is not the fear of God. This fear, guys, the sinful fear, here's what it'll do to you. Did it in my life. It'll cause you to run away from God, but it does not always cause you to run away from religion. So what happened in my life is I was operating in religion with my heart far from the Lord because I had the wrong fear of him. And I was never really sure where I stood with him, and so I lacked intimacy. I couldn't abide. I couldn't behold. I couldn't draw near. Martin Luther, who led the Reformation, his testimony is mind-blowing of the journey God took him on. And before he came into an understanding of the sweetness of the gospel, he lived as a monk in a monastery. And he said he was more devoted than every other monk there. And yet inwardly in his heart, he despised God. He hated God because he did not fully grasp what Jesus had done for him. And therefore, as he was busy serving and working for God, his heart was bitter towards God because he was never sure if it was enough. He felt like God was this angry tyrant that he was always trying to do enough to make himself right before God. But when he encountered the gospel, he was set free into the right fear of the Lord. You with me? These are the wrong fears of God. <laughs> There's one other thing that goes in this, I and mean, this is going to lead us into the right fear. What complicates this more, and I want everyone to hear this, is that we present the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord as if they are at odds with one another. Do you guys hear me? The way we present it today is that fear of God and love of God are pitted against one another. And what we do is we say that they are on two opposite ends of the theological spectrum. You have one Christian camp that preaches the fear of God. You have another Christian camp that preaches the love of God. Two different languages, two different theologies. And what begins to happen is those that are preaching the love of God, those in the fear of God camp, will tolerate it up to a certain extent and then say, no more, no more. You can't just preach the love of God. You've also got to teach people how to be afraid of God because he's God. And what we're actually doing to believers is we're presenting the fear of God as if it's this gloomy thing. The fear of God, if I could illustrate it this way, is being presented as the doomy theological equivalent of eating your greens. <laughs> so here we are with this great fare that we're going to eat. It's the steak and the potatoes. This is the love of God. This is the goodness of God. And we're eating it up, and someone comes, comes around and says, yeah, that's good, but make sure you get your greens in you. I know it's not that good, but make sure you get a little fear of God in you. We need to balance it out. The fear of God is like a, a cold glass of water that gets poured out to temper your love for God. Beloved, he's coming back for an equally yoked bride. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There is never a tension where love causes us to draw near and the fear of God causes us to draw back. That is the wrong fear of God that needs to be broken. We're not like enjoying and saying, okay, I guess we have to. Next week, we're going into Isaiah 11. It's a prophecy about Jesus operating in the sevenfold spirit. One of them is the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and it says he delighted in the fear of the Lord. He delighted in it. What is this fear that Jesus walked in and said, I don't have to do this. I want to do this. I like to fear God. This is, we've got it all wrong, and we need our hearts undone by this. I want to propose to you that the fear of God and the love of God, or just fear and love in general, are so deeply connected. And I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it. That which you fear actually reveals what you love the most. Show me what you fear, and I'll show you what you love. Why do we fear losing our jobs? Because we love the security that comes from it. Or we love our family and want to provide for them. Or we love the identity that comes from that. Why do I love, or why do I, what should I say, why do I fear rejection? Because I love approval. I love to be accepted. This is a good fear. Why do I fear something happening to my children? Because I so deeply love them, I wouldn't want anything to happen to them. 
Let's take it up one more notch that really begins to show us the foundation of godly fear. Why do I fear something happening between me and my wife since we're married to Christ? Because God has given us something so sacred, and because I love her so much, there's actually a godly fear that falls on both of us to protect, preserve, and steward what has been given to us. Because of love, I actually have this holy zeal and jealousy that will not allow my life to go in a certain direction that could offend or hurt her. I won't look at messages. I won't look at people knowing I am with her and what I have is so special and so sacred and so beautiful. I wouldn't dare do anything to jeopardize that. When we talk about fearing God... <laughs> When we talk about fearing the Lord, guys, this is where it flows from. You are saying, God, I love you so much that there is a holy guarding, a holy fear, a holy zeal to steward, protect, and keep what you've been giving me. God, I will never let my life go in this direction because you mean too much to me. This is the fear of God that comes into the heart of a believer. I steward that because, not great, but... That's, don't take that example, all right? But it's not great. But, but because, I, because what has been given to me, I say that's special, right? Do you know what's been given to us in God? We've been given access, intimacy, relationship with the eternal one, the holy one of Israel, the one who when he breathed, it's still creating galaxies today. The one who formed mountains and their boundaries. The one who formed the depths of the sea that we can't even get to. The one that if you go to Genesis 1 and go a billion beer, years back before that, you're still no closer to his beginning because he has none. This is the one we're in relationship with. The riches of Christ. And the more we get awakened to this, there's actually a zeal to say, oh my goodness, God, I will protect, I will preserve, I will steward, I will guard there is a fear in me to never let anything happen that would offend you, hurt you, damage what you have given to me. That is good news. This is the fear that God wants to restore in his bride. Yes? Oh, my goodness. I'm, like, all over the place right now. <laughs> when we grow, see, there's such a flippancy towards the Lord, I find, right now, because we don't know what we possess. But when we know what we possess... Oh, there's a, there's a zeal to begin to guard it. God, God bless this man's soul. But when I was getting the wedding ring for Crystal, I wouldn't be surprised if this man tapped out after this. So that's the last ring I ever do. <laughs> I had him on speed dial. I mean, literally, my mom jokes about it. It's like morning and night. I'm like, hey, did you do this? Did you do that? Like months of this. By the end, when he finally gave it, it was like, brother, just, just take it. <laughs> I don't want any more. But I was all over him. But I'll never forget, it was in the city. We lived in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I was in Manhattan, and I had this. This was a private jeweler, and I got the ring. This is a couple thousand dollars now. It's an heirloom diamond that was passed down on my grandmother's side, my mom's side. And I remember I put it in my pocket. Now I had to travel in New York City on the subways back to Bushwick, Brooklyn. What do you think I looked like when I was walking through the streets? <laughs> I'm like patting this thing. I'm looking at people like, this guy wants it. This guy wants it. <laughs> and I... <laughs> And I'm like, you, you're not going to have this, right? I'm checking it. I'm patting it. Why? Because I knew, I knew the value of what I was carrying. When we know the value of what we're carrying, there's, that's the fear of God in a believer. There's something that says, I'm going to protect this. I won't let my eyes wander. I won't let my mind wander. Purity comes forth in this. Holiness comes forth because I love him so much. Charles Spurgeon says this, it is not because we are afraid of God but because we delight in him that we fear him. Isaiah 65 says this. I love this. He, this is part of his quote still. My heart shall fear and be enlarged. Isn't that interesting? It says my heart shall fear and not be restricted or constrained, but actually the more I fear, my heart expands toward him. He then says this is the same with us. The more we fear the Lord, the more we love him. Until this becomes... To us, this true fear of God, to love him with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. There are so many scriptures that confirm this that we can't get into, but I want to share one on your, on your sheet. Look at Psalm 145. 
So many places do you see the tension. Not tension. You see how actually there is no tension between fear and love. I'm sorry, the other way around. Look at Psalm 145, 19 and 20. It says, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Look at the next verse. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Throughout scripture, you will constantly see fear of God and love of God going hand in hand because they are not incompatible. They're not at odds. They're actually fueling one another. The more you love him, the more you fear him. The more you fear him, the more you love him. (laughs) And so it goes on and on and on. Do you know what's one of the reasons why we misunderstand how love could be a part of this awful, like I use this in a good way, this awful trembling before God? It's because we misunderstand love in our culture. We use love has been reduced to mean a vague preference. So we say things like, I love this book, (laughs) or I love this food. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just, we, we, I really do love books and food. But my, my, here's, everyone hear this. The, the nature of love is defined by the object of love. Meaning, what is truly appropriate for love, what love should look like, is determined on the very thing that you're loving. For example, what if I were to say, I love and have real affection for my dog? Okay? I love and have real affection for my wife. Or I love and have real affection for my God. Same statement. But the object of love has changed. Dog, wife, God. Now you would hope that the expectation of the love that's being expressed is changing with each one of those. Some of those dog lovers, dog and wife, they go back and forth each day. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love our wives and our dogs. But, but listen, <laughs> I don't know about my mom, but their bulldog, listen, it, he's like at the top. But listen, the expectation or what that love should look like, the nature of it's changing as we're changing the object of what we're loving, right? So, so because God is infinitely like perfect, because he is beautiful in all of his ways, when we talk about loving God, that is the only appropriate love is a trembling, quaking fearful love because he is lovely and beautiful in all of his ways. See, the pro- this is why we need to grow in the knowledge of God. The more we understand who he is, the more we understand the right love that should be expressed to him. It's not that some of God's attributes make us love him and other ones make us like flinch. Everything makes us tremble and quake at how beautiful he is. Yes, his love and his mercy, but his wrath and his justice Every part about of him is altogether lovely. He is beautiful. All right, come back into Jeremiah. We'll finish out right over here. Is this making sense? Now, I want you to come. To me, this is just such an incredible part where we close this out. I want you to look at Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 32 talks about one of the great gifts of the new covenant, right? God's going to put fear in our hearts. Jeremiah 33 is God, through the prophet Jeremiah, explaining the nature of this fear. In other words, he's explaining what what drives this fear, what's the motive of this fear. Guys, this is so striking. It will overturn every expectation you've ever had on the fear of God. I promise you that. Are you ready? Come into verse 6, Jeremiah 33. I'm just going to pick it up here. Here's the nature of this fear that God is giving us. Verse 6. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing. Remember, we've been grafted into all of these things as Gentiles. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. Verse 7. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were at first. Verse 8, I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. Verse 9, and this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and a glory before all the nations of the earth, ready, who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. Here it is. They shall fear and tremble. Here's the fear he's putting us. Why? Because of all the good 
and all the prosperity that I've done to them. Oh my goodness, wait a minute. We missed that. We would think it would say because of the fear of punishment, how it's often presented. This is speaking of covenant people. Why do we fear God when we've been born again by the Holy Spirit? The Lord reels off a catalog of blessing and saying it is his goodness that is overwhelming us and causing us to fear him. Guys, this is the fear of God that in Luke 7, when Jesus came into a small town of Nain, he resurrected a widow's son. And it says the entire house was seized by great fear and began to glorify God, saying God has sent a great prophet among us. God has visited his people. That fear was being produced from beholding resurrection power. They glorified God because when they saw God and his goodness, it caused them to tremble. Look at Hosea 3.5 on your sheet. So many verses go with this. Here's another prophecy of the new covenant. It says, and they shall come in the fear of the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. The fear of the Lord and his goodness. The goodness of God is what's fueling the fear of the Lord for his covenant people. Look at Psalm 34, 8 and 9. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. What's fueling the fear of God? Tasting and seeing that he's good. Like eternally, infinitely good. This is causing a holy love, which is producing a holy fear to say, God, everything I need is in you. Everything I have is in you. If I didn't have you, what would happen to me? Therefore, I shake. I, I tremble over this, over your goodness. Look at Psalm 130, the last verse on this. Oh, this is amazing. He says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? So if God were to actually treat us according to our sins, Psalm 103, which he doesn't, no one could stand, right? Look what it says. But with you there is forgiveness. Why? That you may be feared. He said, no, you, you, you mistyped that. But with you there, there's justice that you may be feared for the house of God. No, no, it says with you there is forgiveness. You would say, well, then shouldn't all fear be removed? If fear of God is the fear of punishment, if we've been forgiven, then there's no more fear of him. What the psalmist is saying is that actually forgiveness is fueling fear. Actually, what the psalmist is leading us to believe is that part of the reason for God forgiving you is to put a more fervent fear of him in your heart. For the, the ultimate sign of forgiveness is the cross. At the cross, once again, what happens is God sets you free from all the wrong fears and brings you into the most glorious fear. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. It's at this place, like David said, O Lord, in Psalm 8, I believe, he says, who is man that you are mindful of him? That's the fear of creator. But then we find out that that same God who created all things then died on a cross for us. And this fear overwhelms the humans. Psalm 134 again. Look at that. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Forgiveness delivers us from sinful fear and brings us into the right fear, the exquisite adoration of our Redeemer. Listen, if God, which he is, I'm saying that which he is, if he is infinitely and transcendent, if he's holy and true, and he decided to act on grace on our behalf to sinners who are hellbound, the only right response to that is to tremble before him. The only right response is to fall before him in adoration, in brokenness and humility and just breathtaking awe. Who are you, God? What God is like this? That you would stoop down when you could have crumpled everything up, but instead you came down and died for us. I want to tell you, this fear will cause you to cling to him, to cleave to him. This is what will produce holiness in your life. It's because we don't understand forgiveness that we're not operating the right fear of God. For there's only one day declared holy. You know what it is? The Sabbath day, the day of rest. Holiness is the byproduct of resting in the finished work of God. If you have a problem walking in holiness, it's because you have not learned to rest in the finished work of God. This is where it comes from. This is, this is where God begins to change our hearts. 
He said in Jeremiah, that verse 9, he says, they will fear and tremble at my goodness. I want to be so clear, guys, and I, again, we're, we're going to build layers on this. But just because godly fear has cast out us being afraid of God, I do not want you to think that this fear is cool or passionless. It still says we will fear and tremble before the Lord over his goodness. The pattern of those who fear God is they tremble. They are overwhelmed by who he is. The fear of God is deeper than respect and reverence. That's part of it, but we are not these stoic beings. The fear of God makes man tremble. We say, Jesus, put the fear of the Lord in your house again. We're not just, oh, we respect him, we have reverence. We are undone by a God who died for us. We are undone by a, the Holy One, the Eternal One, the Infinite One. Has, it's a miracle that he's put his spirit in us and we don't blow up. It's the blood of Jesus. This makes us tremble. We come in the house of God and we say, we get to meet with God? We're not grabbing a cup of coffee and enjoying the show. Look at every man that encounters God. Moses took his shoes off. He understands. He drew near, but he understood this is holy ground. This is what's happening in the church. God, release the fear of God in us. Release the fear of the Lord. I pray, I pray he releases fear of God. The fear of God breaks boredom. The church is so bored, so we go into other directions. The fear of God breaks boredom. That's what fuels sinning because our hearts are made to be fascinated. God wants to invite us into the real beauty realm. Revelation 4. Look at it, the throne room of God. The fear of God breaks boredom. It cures casualness. It's the antidote to apathy. God's not looking for stained glass windows and, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but he's not looking for voices that are just put back. It's being undone before him. The fear of God. It's more than reverence and awe. The fear of God, because of who he is, it should make us internally quake when we behold his dazzling splendor. And I'm not saying, I'm, I'm saying, God, I want this. I realize we're missing something, God, that this is not happening. Because certainly I would never let my life engage in things if this was operating in my heart. I want more, God. I want more. It's not mild-mannered. That's what I want you to see. The fear of God, what we're talking about. I don't want you to think it's this mild-mannered thing. We tremble. The only right response in the fear of the Lord is we are physically overpowered. That's what that means to tremble. Listen, soldiers in the midst of combat can tremble because there's a threat of dying. That's not the trembling we're talking about. Here's the image I have. I picture a bridegroom at the front altar with the pastor and his groomsmen, and for the first time the doors fling open, and he beholds his bride, and his knees begin to be weak as he begins to cry and shake because he's beholding the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. This is the trembling that God wants to bring us into. This is why... Morning and night in the prayer room, we say, get before him and behold him. Behold him. Because the more we see him, we'll never be the same. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, like, we can never go back to business as usual. On, I get, to go back to where I was, fear, fear is the best word that we can often use. But I want you to know this. In scriptures, this, the same word that's used for fear in the Hebrew is used so differently at other points. That helps us to really understand it. Psalm 68.35, it says, awesome is God in his sanctuary. Do you know that word awesome is the same word that was used when it said Adam was afraid? Which means when we talk about as a believer sealed by the Spirit, when we talk about fear, we're saying, you're awesome. Awesome is God in his sanctuary. Look, come to Psalm, I, I mean, uh, Isaiah 60. This one just on my heart right now. We're closing right here. Isaiah 60. I want you to see this for yourself. Verse 5. It's the book right before Jeremiah. Look at this, Isaiah 60, verse 5. Isaiah 60, verse 5 says this, Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. In certain translations, you know what it says? Your heart shall fear or tremble there. The same word that's used for the heart being thrilled is what's also being used for the heart uh, having a, a fear of God. When we fear the Lord as believers, it's a thrill in our heart. I tell you this, you want to know how to, how to be strong against compromise? We need our hearts thrilled. We need our hearts thrilled with the fear of the Lord. God says, he said through Jeremiah, he says, I will put this, I will put this fear in your heart. How many of you want this fear? 
Like, honestly, don't, don't you want to walk like this and just keep growing? God says, I will put it in your heart. I will put it in your heart, he said. The, the heartbeat of the new life in Christ is the fear of God. Is the fear of God. He's saying, I'm not looking for passionless performance. I'm not looking for behavior modification. God says, I'm going to do something deeper than that. I'm going to so reorient your inner life. I'm going to purge your inner parts to such a degree that you are going to shake over my glory. How many want that? Like, Ezekiel, man, there's so many things. I'm just, God's just downloading. Ezekiel had visions of God in Ezekiel 1, 2, and 3. And at the end of it, it said he stood speechless for seven days by the water. He couldn't, like, he was just like, what, what, what did I see? Think about that. Like, God wants to, we got to break the pull of media and all these other things in our life that are dulling us to something superior. I've said this before. I love a good movie, but no movie has ever left me speechless for seven days. <laughs> Except the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. He gets in the dream thing. I don't know what that one was. Well, Inception. I, I still don't understand what it is about. <laughs> but, but really, this is what God wants to put, put back in his, put, God wants to put this back in us. Well, we're like, we're just amazed by who he is. The fear of God, he said, I'm going to put it in your heart. It's not a hollow, shallow thing. It's getting deep on the inside. Mark, go ahead if you want to play something, because we're going, to, we're going to pray in just a moment. You say, well, how do, I, how do I receive this? How do I receive this? There's actually a lot of ways that we see in the scripture, and we're going to keep growing in. But I want, I want to start with this, that God says, I will put it in you. I will put it in you. I want you to know, this fear of God, you can't acquire it. It's not a skill. You can't manufacture this. It's a heart that's hungry for it and says, Lord, Lord, I want to grow in this. I want you to put the right fear in my heart. I forget, I think it's Proverbs 1. It says we must choose the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is a choice. It's a choice in that we keep beholding the lamb. We keep beholding the cross. Something happens in our hearts when we begin to shake. We begin to tremble. But I think the best way I see it in Scripture is that when men encounter God, it's through encounters that, that men really grow in the fear of God. Men and women grow in the fear of God. Are we hungry? Like, look, the reality is we could just keep going on. For, this is for myself. Are we really hungry for the fear of the Lord? Like the Lord says, I will put it in you. We'll see next week. It's part of the spirit being poured out. It's us asking for it. Are we hungry? Say, God, we want to walk differently. Then let's ask him. Let's ask him right now. Right where you are. In this very normal place of a tent and rain. It's what I love. Heaven and earth colliding right here. Ask him. Don't even wait for me. <laughs> oh, we want it, God. 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 Oh, I pray, Father, we take a weak step towards you, but nevertheless, it's real, Lord. God, we want to walk in this. We thank you for this gift. And I pray, Lord, I pray for the fear of God to be released in this house. Lord, we pray for godly fear to arrest our hearts. God, we pray that boredom and casualness would be swallowed up in this. We pray compromise would be swallowed up in this. Oh, we pray, we pray, release the fear of God in this house. Come on, why don't you just take a moment with someone next to you
I know it can get push past the comfortability for a second. I want you to put the hands on someone next to you with your spouse. And I want you just to begin to intercede and pray for the fear of the Lord to be released in their heart. I promise you, you may feel something, you may not, but something's going to happen. Release it in this house, oh God. Release it in this house. Come on, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to ask for the fear of the Lord. Don't be ashamed to lift up your voice. We don't need to yell, but don't be, don't be ashamed. Lord said we'd never depart. We'd never depart. Make us hungry for it, God. Make us hungry for it, God. The real fear of the Lord. The real fear of the Lord. Lord, we won't ever want to be casual with you, God. Thank you we come as we are. Thank you we can rest in your presence. Thank you we can lean on your chest. But Lord, we do it with a shaking inside. We do it with a shaking inside. Right now, fear of the Lord encounters, I pray, all in this room. God, awaken us from slumber, Lord. Awaken us from routine, oh God. God, break pride in our hearts. Open our eyes, O oh Lord. Open our eyes, O oh Lord. We want to behold the Lamb. Oh, we want to behold the Lamb. Awaken us in every moment, oh God. That we would see your face, Lord. Awaken us, oh God, to how awesome you really are. Awaken us, oh Lord, where we slumber, oh God. Where routines have taken over, oh God. We pray. You would awaken us from dead religious activities, yes, Lord, oh God. Yes, yes, awaken our hearts, oh God, to how awesome you are, oh Lord. That our knees would tremble, that our hearts would leap when we know we're coming to worship you, oh God. That when we open your word, oh God, it would cause us to weep, oh Lord, at the love that you have poured out in your words, oh God. That you have revealed yourself to us. That you have placed your spirit in us, oh God. What a mystery, oh God. What a mystery, Lord. Open our eyes. Open our hearts, oh, Lord. Expand our hearts, oh, Lord, yes, with this Lord. fear. Yes, Put this fear in us, oh, Lord. Yes, Put this Lord. glorious fear in us, yes, oh, Lord. We open our hearts to you now, oh, God. Yes, we desire it as your body. We desire it here today, oh, God. Put it in our hearts, oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, bind us in unity, Lord. We want to go as one body on this journey with you, Lord. I pray for no man left behind in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, this full body going deeper, led by the Spirit. Awaken us to the fact that everything matters. You see every part of our life, Lord. Every part matters before you, God. We want to be able to present to you a reward, God, for your suffering. Yes, Lord. 
Lord, help us to not just do it in the public place, but give us a trembling that shakes us in the private place, Lord, in our homes, oh God, in the workplace, Lord. We want there to be no separation, God, in our lives. No secular and sacred, God. It's all sacred to you, Lord. Every part of our life surrendered before you. Lord, I pray over these next few weeks, I pray for those who are bound in all of the wrong fears, especially the fear of man. Lord, right now we pray that you would break the fear of man in this house. God, that we would never be afraid to share your gospel, to share your truth, to live boldly for you. I pray that on the other side of this, Lord, you would find a courageous bride. I pray for courage. God, as we dive deeper into this, I pray for courage to be released in this house. Yeah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that the work that you start on us, you're faithful to complete it. Thank you that you're faithful to your word. So we are asking for the very thing you said you would do. Thank you, God, that you never turn away the hungry. You never turn away the humble, Lord. Thank you that we are going to be filled with this, Lord. Thank you that we're going to walk in greater measures of this. Thank you that we're going to recognize it this week. I thank you in advance, God. We're going to notice it. We're going to notice when we wake up in the morning. We're going to notice when we're driving in the car. We're going to notice when we're engaging with our our spouse and our family. We're going to notice it, God. Thank you, God, that this tremble is not just for a Sunday service, Lord. But, God, we're going to walk. We're going to walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We declare it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Sure. Yeah, you want to? Just hold on one sec, guys, and we'll dismiss. So during worship, the Lord broke through, and he wanted me to share something. I, I was saying, Lord, is this for me? And I had the fear of man, so I didn't share. But I'm glad that I waited because he revealed more. And he broke through and he said, he showed me, and he showed me this before, how many of us, it's hard for us to receive. It's hard for us to receive. We know how to give and give and give and pour out, but it's not easy for us to receive. And I know that's for me. But he came and he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. And we have to receive him. But many of us don't receive because of, Pastor Andrew talked about rejection. We've been rejected, so we say no. No, 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 I don't want to be rejected anymore. If I open my heart to receive, I may be rejected again. But I said, God, I'm going to receive, God. I'm going to receive, God. I'm going to be open again. It, and it does take risk. It does take courage. Pastor Andrew talked about courage to receive even community. Some of us have been rejected so rejected and abandoned and hurt it's hard to open up to community and I said God I'm gonna receive I'm gonna receive love I'm gonna receive community I'm gonna receive what you have for me I may be hurt I may get hurt again but I'm gonna step out when he said to Peter step out of the boat 
We don't know what he was facing. We don't know what each one of us face. But I'm going to step out of the boat. And even this fear that, and I know it's his timing about the fear of God. Because when I said I waited, I received more. He just said to me, when we receive the fear of God, it breaks us. It moves us. It wrecks us in the best way to receive more of what he has for us. It just changes our life to just for his glory when we receive this. And we're going we're gonna to see this in these next weeks that Pastor Andrew teaches this. As we receive the fear of the Lord, it's going to wreck us and change us in the most beautiful way. This is not something we're going to do corporately, but I felt a lot of grace on communion if someone wanted to take it, uh, how through forgiveness we would come to fear him. I just felt uh, there's something to be released in that as well. So that's something you can do personally, but it's here. And I do think just by receiving that, you're going to come to a greater awareness of his forgiveness. It's going to really produce that fear we're talking about. So, all right, we love you guys. We'll see you this week. I'll see every single one of you at Bible study, right? Yeah. All right, bless you guys.